With God, there are no coincidences. Pope St. John Paul II liked to point this out. Of course, understanding how God's providence works through apparent coincidences takes discernment and wisdom. But some coincidences are easier to interpret than others. Their meaning seems fairly plain. I'd like to share a few of them from the founding of our monastery. Unlike most monasteries, we were not founded from another house, and this fact will be important in a moment. Rather, three missionary priests got together to look at a new form of monastic life, lived in the city. There was just one problem. Uh, There wasn't any city for them to live in. This required the invitation of a bishop. Well, that invocation uh, came in 1991 when Cardinal Bernardine brought the brothers here to look at the possibility of using one of the recently closed parish buildings. And when the brothers arrived here, they fell in love with this building right away, largely because of its beautiful acoustic. But looking back, it seems providential and coincidental that this group of people embarking on a new monastic foundation without a mother house would be adopted by Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception. Another coincidence was the fact that the first Mass that they celebrated here was on the Feast of St. Benedict, despite the fact that there were nine years to go before we became official members of the Order of St. Benedict. So St. Benedict was preparing a home for himself here because 23 years after that first Mass, a relic of St. Benedict was placed in our new high altar. So he's here with us today. Shortly after I entered, we endured a serious crisis that had us questioning whether we would be able to stay in this place. Uh, The neighborhood was kind of crowded, and there were things going on that made life almost impossible for a contemplative community like ours. But recognizing the protection of Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception, we made a pilgrimage to the National Shrine in Washington, D.C. to ask her help. And shortly after we returned, uh, I was speaking to a guest in our newly opened bed and breakfast who just happened to come here from Texas, and it turned out he had exactly the professional qualifications to help us with our problem, and within about a month, the problem was solved. Is it a coincidence or not? What coincidences can help us to see is that God the Father is, in Jesus' words, still working. His work did not end with creation, but he often works in ways that are difficult to see. They're hidden from our view if we're not paying attention. To see and understand how God is acting often requires from us a change in perspective, a different way of viewing the world than the way we inherited from our culture or from the media or even from our families. So just as St. Benedict prepared a place for himself here, God is continually preparing a place for himself to dwell in his creation. This was the whole purpose of the creation from the beginning. At the beginning of time, he fashioned the Garden of Eden. This was a place that was devoid of thistles and thorns, devoid of back-breaking work, and notably devoid of sin. And he placed Adam there to enjoy it and to flourish as steward of God's creatures. And God and Adam would walk together in the breezy time of the day. When Adam sinned, God did not give up on this plan to inhabit creation. He formed a people for himself in Egypt and brought them to his holy land. But first, he drove out the people who lived there before them, 
and replaced them with his chosen people to whom he had given the law. He made a preparation ahead of time with his people as well as with the land to make sure that the people would be holy, that the people would live righteously in a manner that would allow God to dwell with them in his temple. I'm just going to skip over the Immaculate Conception for a moment and go to the foundation of the church. Christ chose disciples for himself, and after his resurrection, he continued his preparation of this group of men by instructing them for 40 days before his ascension. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in them, to be with them forever as he promised. First he did this preparation to make a suitable home for God, and then the Holy Spirit takes up his dwelling in the church. So it is not at all surprising that the Holy Church, through prayer and reflection on the incarnation of the Son of God, has seen in the conception of his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, a similar preparation, a movement ahead of time by providence in the quiet obscurity of a small home in the Holy Land. God, in the midst of this world, created a sinless soul so that the body in which his son would dwell for nine months would be appropriately sanctified, as were the Holy Land and the members of Christ's body in the early church. There's one last example of God sanctifying a place for his son to dwell, and that is in our own hearts. This happens to us at our baptisms, which correspond quite directly to today's mystery. As God once drove out the nations from the Holy Land and made a clean break with what came before, making a space for his chosen people, and when he made a space within the Holy People for the soul and body of the Blessed Virgin, in baptism he drives out whatever demonic influences we have inherited from the world around us, what we call original sin. And original sin's hold on us is broken, and God takes up his dwelling place. This, of course, is not the end of the matter, we know. And just as the Virgin Mary had to be born to grow, to fight against sin, in her case, thanks be to God, always a winning fight, she had to conceive our Lord, carry him to term, and bear the Savior. So, too, we must guard this precious gift of our baptisms. Having conceived Christ in our hearts, we must by the pursuit of virtue and holiness, bring Christ to birth in our lives. We must be the presence of Christ for the world. As St. Paul said to the Galatians, he experienced labor pains until Christ was formed in his disciples. This imagery is very much biblical. Expectant mothers are very careful about how they treat their bodies, what they eat, how much rest they get, what type of work to avoid, and so on. Shouldn't we be similarly vigilant with regard to our souls, where Christ resides, and in which he wishes to be brought to full stature in us? Shouldn't we be careful about what we watch, what we read, what kind of work we undertake, even getting proper rest? And in this latter, I have in mind this, the biblical idea of rest, that which was, Adam was excluded from after he got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, the Sabbath. Going back to that inner place that each of us had, that God has created for us in baptism, learning to live in that inner garden with God, alone with God, what the medieval monks called the garden and closed, both with reference to our souls but also with reference to the Virgin Mary. 
And as Mary kept all of God's words and deeds in her heart, pondering them, we should do the same. And then we will find real strength and comfort in discovering God's work around us everywhere, where the world merely sees what it calls coincidence.